The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to another episode of Trading Secrets. I have never in my life done an intro without a script and without reading it for the first time. I'm going off the cuff in most of this episode, off the cuff. We wow. really don't have too many questions planned, but we have the one <laughs> and only Lo Von Rumpf here. He is one of the best celebrity stylists <laughs> in all of LA. Born and raised, I call him the Hollywood boy. He knows literally everyone. He's the host of the Low Life Podcast. I often like to call the Low Show, which irritates him a little bit, only because the first name of his show was going to be the Low Show, and then he changed it to the Low Life. So he is the host of that. He does so much more on the side. And most importantly, he is family. He is part of the pod, as you guys know, with Caitlin and I. We are the JLo bromance. He started as Caitlin's celebrity stylist. He then became best friends with Caitlin. I then got introduced to him and I literally stole that title from Caitlin. <laughs> that JLo was born. Sure was. So welcome. Mm. The Low Show, The oh Low God. Life, Low Von Rupton Podcast. Well, how are we doing today? An honor and a privilege to be back here. Literally, with the a part money two. mobsters. The money mafia. The mafia. Lo, what Low <laughs> likes to do is always change every little thing I have. The like, money so mobsters we have in prison. Rewired management. He's oh, like, yeah. oh, how's your retired talent agency <laughs> going? You always like like throw a little chirp in there, do something. Have some fun with it. And for some new listeners that somehow don't know who J Lo is, J-Lo is Lo and myself, yeah. and we invented that name when we were stuck for three months at Dancing with the Stars yeah. in this little itty-bitty uh, 750 square foot yep. apartment with two lines. Can you hear me okay? Oh, I hear light? you great, Lo. You're killing uh, it. With two <laughs> Literally crushing it. With two lions. Pino and Ramen from South Korea. <laughs> a lot of hair everywhere, and and little Judy's extensions were everywhere. Yeah, and you and I got ridiculously close. Yeah, like that experience of us being together in such a tight little apartment, and we couldn't leave. This was like pandemic times. People were fighting for toilet paper. Buildings were burning at the time. Yeah, remember, this like is everything the was pinnacle of like it the was, mayhem. This is October of twenty twenty. Like, yeah, this is craziness going on. And in so the world. just being sequestered. Yeah. in and, solitude with. You. And, and little Judy is Caitlin, as you guys know, and she is literally living out her like entire life dream by being on Dancing with the Stars. Yeah. So we were under this walking on eggshell type risk of we can't even leave this apartment because if we come back and bring in COVID here and ruin it because they get tested every single day. So we were like living in fear. We were yeah. living. It was like a wild time. It was trauma bonding. It was it was trauma bonding. And I thought it was going to be like a short lived thing. I yeah. thought yeah. this little bromance that we have, yeah. this incredible honeymoon nightmare we've been on together. <laughs> once we get out of the sky cage, we wouldn't keep in touch. But I didn't think it was possible for us to get closer. But my God, we did. It blew my mind because well, I thought I wouldn't see you again ever after well, <laughs> it wrapped up. Oil and water can exist. And that is low and high. But let's get into this low. Okay. Right? So celebrity stylist. Sure. You are the fashionista of all fashionista. You have dressed people for any single awards show out there. Yeah. All the big events, the uh, Oscars, the Grammys, everything in between. But I want to take a little step away from that for a minute and make it more relatable for what you call the mobsters, but really just <laughs> listeners. Yeah. Summer's around the corner. And I feel like 
I try and keep up with just financial news and it moves at the speed of light. One day you got a bank closing, the next day the whole entire economy shut down. We don't know if the yen's going to be the next currency, the US dollar. It changes so fast. The fashion industry changes even faster. Like it's absolutely insane what's in. Is it baggy? Is it not baggy? What color is in? Can you put brown and black together? Can you not put brown and black together? I can't keep up with it. So going into the summer, give us some trading secrets on fashion, things to stay away from, things to look for, places to shop from. Just give us the whole summer. A breakdown. little lowdown A on little fashion lowdown. for summer. The thing that's nice though about fashion is it's freedom for me. Okay. And so I feel like some of the rules, like you can't wear white after Labor Day. I don't know where that shit came from, but I don't subscribe to that idea. There's rules that, that have started, like you can't wear black and brown. Yeah, yeah. All those rules I throw out the window. Okay. Have fun with it. And when it comes to styles and silhouettes, right now with guys, it's very cool to see guys really changing it up and having so much more fun. Like guys are able to rock a skirt. Brad Pitt just rocked a skirt at a the bullet train premiere okay. with combat boots, super hot. Killed Loved, it. Yeah, but I was like a dude wearing a skirt. It was like a kilty vibe. It was cool, but like such freedom yeah. to do what he wanted. And so when it comes to fashion for summer, I mean, I'm still on that COVID athleisure trend of everything being okay. comfortable because you want to feel good in it. The days of girls like pouring themselves into a dress and feeling like a stuffed sausage, like those days are gone. <laughs> you don't got to do that anymore. You can yeah. you know, be free and wear flowy dresses and like big puff sleeves are in. And I think people are just having so much more fun. After this pandemic, we were just stuck in a really weird place for, I felt like, well, years. And so now people are coming out of it and they're wearing new colors and, and trying to just have fun with their fashion and not take themselves too serious. And so also like heels for summer, out. Heels are already out. Really? But girls rocking like- Wait, wait, like heels are out. in general. I don't know. Heels are like kind of trending out. Well, it's not, they're not a necessary thing like they used to be. Okay. Like I used to do red carpets and it would always be like a crazy pair of stilettos, like the Christian Louboutin red bottoms or something like that. Yeah. They're painful. Girls don't like to wear them. Like, hmm. what are we doing here? And so now coming post pandemic, people are rocking wedges or even flats, cool sneakers. Like if you even look at red carpets, it's a lot more free in what people are wearing. Guys are exploring different silhouettes they've never thought of wearing before. And so are celebrity women too. It's cool to see. And so for summer, I mean, I'm down for some booty shorts, yeah. some assless chaps, <laughs> letting it all hang out, be free with it. Okay. Have some fun with some mesh, some easy breezy fabrics, lots of linen, although it wrinkles. But okay. I feel like, yeah, having fun and, and just trying something different. Oh, and playing with color too. Well, I was going to ask you, are there any colors that you would say like are going to be hot for the summer that we'll see it's a lot so of? It's so crazy to see like neon is making a comeback. I never thought that it would be a thing because it was like, it had its moment a few years ago. Yeah. And then it goes out. Do you support that thing? Do you like, are you it. into neon? Oh yeah, I okay. love neon. Okay. In small doses, it's yeah. a lot. People are rocking like full neon suits. Yeah. It's just not for me, but I get it if you want to have a statement. Yeah. And so like seeing neon, but with fashion, it's all cyclical. Everything that's out, it will come back around. And so that's, if you're a bit of a hoarder listening to this, it's like, and you don't want to let things go. With fashion, I think that's the only time, like I get it because it is going to be in. I have a pair of neon vans that I got, like, I don't know, like eight years ago. Didn't wear them. Neon wasn't in for a while. And now I have these like limited edition neon custom vans. Because they came all back. Yeah, neon's in now. And people are like, oh my God, those are so sick. Was that like a collaboration with someone? Yeah. No, I no. got these forever They've just been collecting dust. Yeah, let, yeah. Let me ask you about colors a little bit. So in marketing, there's a lot of reason why 
brands will use colors, yeah. right? So, uh, like, obviously, like, soft bluer tones are going to be more, like, calming Calm. and relaxing, right? Like, the Calm app, look at it. It's, like, pur light purple. Or you see all the antidepressant ads, and it's all, like, lavender and Yeah, lavender blue. and Calm. If you look at any uh, type of fast food restaurant, almost all of them have the big, like, impulsive, high-energy, catch-your-attention red and yellows. The yeah. McDonald's, the Wendy's, in and Burger out. King, in and out all of that, right? And that's all psychological. Can you think from a fashion sense when you're wearing something, whether it's a date or like it's an interview or you're trying to stand out, are there certain colors that have certain meanings, would you say, for the summer that you should be aware of that could like make your personal brand either pop or stay back or things like oh, that? Oh, I've been going through it personally, oh, changing up my style. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm such a little chameleon with what I like to wear. It yeah. just depends on my mood and vibe. Sometimes I like to slut it up and do something <laughs> a little bit revealing. Other times I'm more conservative or whatever. But when it comes to colors and what you're wearing, oh, it definitely sets the tone. So if you're going into like a job interview, keep it neutral. You don't want to be polarizing in any sort of way. A neutral palette, earth tones are always great because you want people to like dis disarming. Okay. Like you look at someone wearing like sage green, chocolate brown. You just want to like cuddle up with them. Like it's very mother nature vibes. Oh, interesting. And so it is nice to like in that situation or even like a first date, you know, I, I usually want to go for like a cooler tone, like something very laid back. And so like a, you're not a threat, like for a first tone, like you don't have to worry about me. going with a soft blue, a pale gray with oh, a leather yeah. jacket to edge it up a bit. Evan has a question. Hey, like Evan, this. what welcome. do we got? Yeah. So you mentioned during a job interview to wear some earthy tones, right? You know, when you put your resume in, right? There are resumes that stand out. When yeah. So t talk to me a little bit about that in terms of standing out, wearing something that maybe that is crazy and that's out of. Uh, See, you know, I, I wouldn't. Because if you're going, I want my personality, my intellect to shine. The fashion can come, let, let me get the job, and then I'll wave my freak flag and wear like something fun and loud and out there. But if that's what you want, is there something you can if, wear if, to if, that, like that would maybe... If you really want to stand out, sure, you can edge it up if you want. But again, taking a bit of a risk could be a good risk. I would stay away from red, like those passionate, like bright, vibrant colors like that. But I think... If you are going to add some sort of like a standout moment and you want to be differentiate yourself in a job interview or whatever, I'd say one statement item, the killer pair of shoes for a guy. It could be the blazer or the undershirt has a little personality, something statement about it, hmm. something that is a bit more bold. That's cool. I actually would respect that if I saw someone like that, I'd be like, oh, that's it's actually really fun or playful a little bit, not taking himself too serious just because he has a shirt that has like a really cool pattern or color wise again. I wouldn't go with like crazy reds, vibrant pinks, anything like that. Keep it jewel tones, always jewel tones, like purple, teal, cerulean blue, beautiful. And they are seasonless. Those colors can go spring, summer, fall, doesn't matter. They never go out of style. Jewel tones are always going to be in. Okay. Those are some trading secrets on this summer, some branding, some colors, some things you could do, and a nice little takeaway to spice it up a little bit coming in. Do something different. Get out of that little baby box that you're in. Oh, right, we all Lo? get stuck in it. All right. We all get stuck into it. Workout pants and shit. Change it up. Throw a curveball in there once or twice. Yeah. All right. Let's talk a little bit about styling. Celebrity stylist. Okay. You've done it for how many years now? Oh gosh. I'm 12 years vested in now. Okay. I want to take a shot at this. Wow. Congratulations. Thanks. Tell me if I'm like somewhat <laughs> close with this. Styling fees for an event are going to be somewhere in the $1,500 to $10,000 range, low and high end. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. 
So this it, is for red carpet styling for, you're like, about? for like a red carpet an event, yeah, or yeah. an event or like a pre-Oscar party or post-Oscar party. That's going to be around the dollar amount, correct? Yeah, because a commercial would be a very different situation. Because, and, and tell me if I'm, I'm right or wrong, but a commercial, the difference is you are actually charging the brand. You're not charging the celebrity. Is that correct? Yes. Yes and no. Because sometimes for a celebrity, if they're promoting a certain film, the network is going to be paying the budget. And so... Like, let's say you just did a deal with Paramount. You have okay. a Paramount picture coming out. Sure. Jason's starring in this Paramount movie. So Paramount's going to pay my rate. And so if Paramount is paying the rate or Netflix or whoever the network is, is saying, we need Jason at these three events and we're going to pay for him to be there dress wise. Okay. We're going to cover grooming and everything. That budget would be a network rate, not an out of pocket, not from talent. And if we know out of pocket rate is somewhere in this, like, let's say 1500 to 10K range, then yeah. what would like a network, like low and high end look like in this Five space? to 10,000. Five to 10,000. Suppose you're working with a talent that's in a Paramount picture, right? We'll just say, we'll say me. Obviously yeah, I'm not me, it. but we'll just say you me. You never know, Jay. You never you're know. You're made for the big screen. Thanks, love. <laughs> okay. So suppose, would you ever cut deals? Like we really listen, Jay, I'm going to do this Oscar thing. I'm just going to charge you 500, but that net, I know you have the Netflix deal coming out. When that comes out, just make sure that network TV gives me the money. For like, sure. is I that just one had of the that happen. You okay. I just, a guy I style, he's on an Apple TV show. Okay. It's doing really well. And he's like, I have to cover this first one, this press junket out of pocket, but they're going to be covering your rate moving forward. If the network is good, Apple is fantastic for rates. If they're saying, I want to get a discount or could you hook me up because I have a Netflix series coming out. No, thanks. <laughs> Netflix is cheap. I said it. Netflix is so cheap. With, oh, really? With their talent, they're cheap. And I don't plan on getting any Netflix still. And if they were to freaking blacklist me, I don't give a shit because they don't pay good rates anyway. Netflix is notoriously a, a bit cheap when it comes to paying out for glam, styling. They, they stretch their budget really thin. And who is usually not so cheap? Who spends a little bit? There's, like, there's certain networks that are just known in the industry as like, okay, Apple is really great. Yeah, I heard like, Amazon spends Amazon, yeah, it depends on the project. But yeah, Amazon, uh -huh. they'll take care of their artists, their people. And it's the phrase, spare no expense. Yep. They'll do that. They're good. But there's some networks, unfortunately, that are penny pension. Now, the last time... And I don't know why, but it just it is what it is. This is a part two here, by the way. Lo has been on the show before. And if you haven't oh, listened, yeah, yeah, yeah. make sure you go listen. But the first time you came on, you had a clip that went viral. Over 5 million or 3, three oh, somewhere that's in the right. 2 to 5 million views when you said that the Kardashians were actually notoriously cheap. So this time we're getting Netflix. That's another good one. Well, and here's the thing with that Kardashian being cheap statement that I made. I mean, it was cut, spliced, and diced in a way that it was salacious and like, ooh, drama. Perez Hilton is talking shit about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, I get yeah. it. In full context, though, Kim Kardashian has an empire, billions of dollars, and a staff of, what, over 100 people under her. Yeah. And so her team, yeah, sometimes they're a bit cheap. That's what yeah. I was getting. It's not like Kim Kardashian is like, I don't know her. I don't know what she's paying her yeah. team or whatever. It's just... I've been up for certain projects and other people that I've worked with closely are like, damn, that's like a Netflix budget. Okay. That's what they were saying. Understood. Now, transitioning that into the clientele you're working with, you hate to generalize, but based on the names and things you hear, the people you're working with, if you Google net worth or dollars in, they're all pretty damn wealthy, like yeah. at least from the Google Rich sheets. people. It's a 1%. So it's a 1%. So have you ever dealt with one of these clients or any of these clients that completely stiff you and don't pay you or any? Do you have any stories like that? Sure have. Why do you think, like, how could someone like that do something like that? It sucks. And you know what? Sometimes it's not even like a personal thing. Like they're trying to get one over on me or steal. Sometimes things do get 
lost in translation. I had one artist, she signed to a major record deal. The record deal fell through. Now I had styled her for a bunch of stuff. Now she has to pay out of pocket. She lost her record deal. Well, it, get, it got a little bit uncomfortable. Months went by, follow up. Well, let me see, cause she might sign to another record label. And so I know she was trying to like figure it out. Yeah, She didn't. And so ultimately she had to pay, but it, it took a long time, like, a mm. long, like over a year. And so, cause she was just, again, really strapped. And so like that sort of thing happens. I've styled major athletes and I don't think it's personal. Sometimes they have a lot of moving parts, lots going on. If their manager is not thorough, a lot of times it's the point person. It's not yeah. even the talent that's dealing with it. And when I do, it's so funny because I've had it happen where I'm waiting for an invoice and we're going back and forth, my manager with their manager, and we're not getting any response or, you know, they're delaying everything. And then once I step in and just shoot a text like, hey, you good? Like yeah. we've been trying right away a venmo because it just they don't want that it's uncomfortable yeah. and they didn't even realize what's going on it's also like a bad look if you're a public figure like that and you're stiffing yeah. a stylist and a friend that's insane right and so i don't take it personal yeah. and so and i never want to embarrass anybody because it happens you what's know? the most you've ever been stiffed mm, Ten thousand. Oh, that is nauseating ten thousand dollars yeah did you send them hopsters after them to get yeah. paid? <laughs> <laughs> the money mobsters. There's a funny story, actually. When I just got off the show, we became friends with Patty Murren, who was the lead for Frozen. And so oh. we went to the Broadway show. Me and my oh, brother. Oh, the Broadway version. The of Broadway that. version of okay. Frozen, yeah. And we went to go see Patty perform. And me and my brother, it was Colton and I. And so she said, you guys got to come backstage before the show. Okay. Well, we get there. We're like, hey, can we come back? So like, can't wait to see you. And she's like, actually, you can't. I was like, oh, okay. Okay, no worries. And she's like, Beyonce's back here. So on an impromptu, yeah, an impromptu decision, Beyonce brought her her kids and we're like, oh my God, that's so cool. Okay, no worries. She's like, but after, come back. Well, my brother tells this great story that, so we all sat down and then after we sit down, Beyonce comes in once the lights are off and it starts so no one can see her, right? And there was a point in intermission where my brother was out there too long and no one was there, but Beyonce was there. And she took three things from them and just went right back to her seat. And the cashier was like, oh, you have to, pay. and then she looks up, she's like, and she didn't realize it was Beyonce. And my brother and I talked about it. We're like, why wouldn't she just pay for Like what? And Stephen's like, it's Beyonce. Beyonce, when was the last time Beyonce went to a cash register? She probably didn't even think of the process. That is of so, like, you completely I, lose like, touch with reality. Like Beyonce doesn't have a credit card. She just swipes to like go buy groceries. Like she yeah. doesn't do that. He's That's like, true. she probably had no idea. You're not seeing Beyonce at your local Albertsons. No, like what a crazy concept. That's and true. I wonder if some of these situations you have, the business managers just drop the ball. They don't even know what's happening. Yes. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Lot, yeah. And they lose touch with reality sometimes too. That, sure. Is just it's like I saw a Janet Jackson interview and she was being asked about like her favorite snack. And at one point she was like, they said, do you like Flaming Hot Cheetos? And she's like, Flaming Hot what? Flaming Hot? I don't know what that is. And I was like, Janet, wow. you've been in your little freaking Jackson bubble Doesn't of affluence and wealth and fame. I love it. Yeah. So she didn't even know what a Flaming Hot Cheeto was. But I mean, I'm a huge Janet fan. But like, I guess, yeah, she That's hasn't been to a market in a long time. 
That's just, just missing out on some snacks. And that's the reality of that situation. Yeah. You know, what about when clients are paying you this, let's say it was 1500 to 10 K and they get completely styled for a big event. Yeah. In any case, do they actually get to keep the clothes or majority of the time is that you're styled, you get your pictures and then I get the clothes back. How's that work? Yeah. A lot of times people think that I'm buying stuff at stores. There's no stores involved. Very, I mean, very rare. Yeah. Like if I want to get a pair of socks or something for somebody, but everything is borrowed. And it's sent back. It's very rare where they're able to keep it. And they don't even want to keep it most of the time. Yeah. If, they're, if you're walking a major red carpet and being photographed and those pictures go everywhere and you post about it on social media, that suit or whatever you're wearing had its moment. It'd be cool to have it like in your closet, but you probably won't wear it again. At least most talent that I style wouldn't. Because it already had its moments. So it goes right back to the press showroom. How do you make sure in a big red carpet event that someone doesn't come wearing the same thing? Oh my God, knock on wood. I haven't had that happen yet. If that does happen, it what happens, happens? Do you get though. instantly fired? Oh no. <laughs> like, do you, I'm thinking like, do you lose money? Not. Like, do you get fined? Like, no. <laughs> well, see, and the only way that happens is, so the way it works with styling is as a stylist, I go to a showroom. The showroom represents different designers they approve or say yes or no to certain clients that I'm styling. So let's say there's a specific dress for Caitlin. I pulled it for her. Someone shows up with the same dress. There's no way they got that at the same showroom. That means they bought it off the rack or found it some other way somehow, but it wasn't through public relations, which everybody on that carpet that has a stylist is going through a PR showroom. Okay. So it shouldn't happen. Sometimes if people buy off the rack, that situation can occur. It happens once in a while. Sometimes it's planned, I think, like yeah. for press. Yeah. You know, they act like, oh my God, but it was probably strategic. It was all set up just to get the I think so. Because okay. it's hard for that to happen. Yeah. Genuinely. This I got to ask you about. There are your Netflix actors and actresses like you've talked about. And then there's someone like Taylor Swift or someone like Jennifer Aniston or like the big, big people. There's Massive. There's no way those people are paying a stylist to put them in something that they're going to go on a red carpet and that brand or whatever it is, is going to get that much attention. Do designers pay someone like Taylor Swift or Jennifer Aniston to wear a certain brand as opposed to like paying a stylist to put them in a brand? Both are getting paid, but absolutely. What do you so, mean both are getting paid? Let's say Taylor Swift, for example, is wearing, I don't know, Oscar de la Renta, right? And so they may be paying her or Kristen Stewart. She's the face of Chanel. That's really like easy one to reference because she wears Chanel. Sometimes the outfits aren't that great. Sometimes they're beautiful, but uh, her stylist is still pulling those outfits together through the house of Chanel. So the stylist still is still doing a lot of work, accessorizing it, jewelry, shoes, clutch. She's not working just exclusively with the brand. She has to wear Chanel, but there's someone to execute to make sure that it gets taken care of. That's the stylist. So they would still get paid, of course. Okay. And the yeah. brand is probably going to be paying her as well. Sometimes I've had it where, let's say um, for a major red carpet, it's just the jewelry that's going to pay for a placement. Okay. And so I have to make sure like whatever dress is fine, but make sure I get these specific diamonds or this necklace. Like, so I work the outfit around this necklace and the talent knows, I know everybody's in on it of like, okay, this is the necklace and we have to dress around that because they're going to pay six figures for you to walk the carpet wearing it. Interesting. And those pieces are really expensive. I remember the one time Judy yeah. had those earrings. Oh we God. had a couple too many cocktails. And heart we're like, Judy's like, where are they? We I almost know. lost them. And they were like a hundred grand or yeah. something. Thank yeah. God we found Platinum those. diamonds and black diamonds were beautiful. But oh, yeah, that could have been a bit bad. of a scare. Okay. 
you and I were catching up and you alluded to some type of comment that red carpets in general are like kind of dwindling a little bit and just other things like people aren't watching award shows as much. The red carpets aren't getting the same attention they used to. Is that still the case? Like what's your take on the trend of red carpets? Well, I think red carpets are always going to be happening. Okay. For sure. Like I don't see that ending anytime soon. Like if you think about the Oscars, most people just care about the red carpet. What are, what are people wearing? Unless, you know, Will Smith is bitch slapping somebody. <laughs> but outside of like moments like that, like it's, it's pretty much just people want to see what everybody is wearing. And so I think red carpets will always happen in regards to caring about award shows or who won or whatever. I don't see that doing very well. People are kind of over it, myself included. Like, oh, I didn't even watch the Oscars. You know what I mean? Like get the highlights on YouTube sort of yeah. a thing. And so in my business, I do see a lot of events happening, but like actually going to the Oscars, being in that room, like it's probably exciting for the artist, you know, the actor, the actress or a publicist or whatever. But outside of that, now, like I'm not dying. Like, I've been to the Oscars and I was like, wow, this this isn't that fun. Yeah. It's just long and boring. I'm starving. And they cut the bar off like early on in the show. And they only had red or white wine, and it wasn't that great. So, you know, I just was, I wasn't feeling it. But, like, if you're an artist and you want to be there because, you know, you have a film that's nominated, of course, that's an exciting thing. I'm not discrediting that. It's beautiful to be there. But red carpets aren't going anywhere. How have influencers changed the game? Like, you think about, you've been doing this for 12 years. So, 10 years ago, it was just TV celebrities. Now, you got a lot of influencers. Like, talk to me about that. People talk shit on influencers. They're like, oh... Like, I don't want to be dressed in some TikTok bitch or whatever. I'm like, wow. Like, I hear that. And I'm like, geez, like, that's not fashion. Like the uh, D'Amelio girls, yeah, like yeah, going yeah. to the Met Gala. I, I was like, why not have them go? I like the landscape is changing for fashion. And it is opening up the door to YouTube stars and people with podcasts and influencers. It's great. I openly welcome it and love it. It's more business for me. And a lot of the times these influencers, like, I think it's the actors, actresses, like the Hollywood, like bubble industry kind of frowns like, oh, this is a party with just influencers. Ew. But I'm like, they they influence people. And honestly, it's crazy. I've had a really successful actress and I've had that is on a major show. And then if you're dressing someone who's an influencer with a great following, people are more apt to want to know what the influencer is wearing as opposed to this leading actress. Like the impact, the engagement is stronger. You know, yeah. Rewired management of here. <laughs> retired, know, retired. Man, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But like, yeah, influencers can actually move the needle with fashion brands, legitimately, as opposed to an actress like who barely posts on Instagram, likes to be a little bit mysterious, only posts super edited red carpet photos. Like, people are kind of over that. I think people are craving authenticity, and the influencers who are authentic and keeping it real, yeah, those are the ones that are, you know. Soaring. Okay. Interesting. One of the things about fashion I find fascinating is you, of course, are doing these big events and you're charging, like you said, 1510 grand. People can't afford that on the day to day. So what are people that are like super stylish or they're super worried about their look all the time? Maybe they're going to a smaller event. Maybe they don't have the budget for something. Like how are they staying up to speed with the style game? Like, are there style consultants? Are there like personal shoppers? Like how does the day-to-day style game work? Every place you go, every store, you know, Nordstrom's, they'll have an in-store stylist. Macy's has the My Stylist program. You could have someone actually help you curate looks. There's tons of websites now that are doing stuff like that too. And so the everyday person can definitely have a chic, you know, well-curated closet. 
always start off with good basics, you know, and, and go from there, staple pieces, and then you could add in the fun pieces. And Okay. I got one question from managing the money inflows and stuff and how you do it, right? Yeah. So you have a very seasonal business, like days and weeks and months that are just crazy busy. Yeah. You're working a hundred hours and there's some weeks that you, there's just not as much. So feeling all poor. <laughs> how do you manage though the budgeting and cash, cash flow it? management, Jason? It has been one of the biggest obstacles for me with business. I've had to really watch those finances so closely because let's say I'm styling for a network, yeah. which I do all the time, 90 days, sometimes a little bit longer, the payout. Wow. And so I'm having to wait. So I'm not liquid, which sucks. And so I'm like, I'm, I am rich. I swear. Yeah. But like, I, I'm not seeing the money in my bank account. And so just being really on top of it, I have a business manager and an accountant and they are so hands-on. And I mean, we are, mapping everything out season wise we know this is a war season so january to end of march is going to be like pay time for us okay. we won't see those payments until early summer sometimes after summer depends and so again i'm like a squirrel fucking saving nuts over here i got to make sure i'm allocating funds because everybody needs to get paid on my team yeah and sometimes that means me like just having a really lean month where i'm not eating out as much or who like, are you who's on your team that you're paying I have my accountant, I have my manager, I have an assistant too for award season. And then I have an editor and he helps me with like content and stuff for posting. And you have said the word that we haven't really heard on this podcast often. We've heard of talent manager, we have heard of agent, we've heard of all those, but you said business manager. In the industry, who works with business managers? What do they do and like how do they get compensated? Well, so my business manager is great because she's able to basically handle invoicing. She'll do a little bit of negotiation. I love negotiating too. Yeah. I don't mind being on that email or having that phone call. Yeah. But for a lot of people in my industry, styling is creatives. These are fashion people. These are people who are artists. I'm, and I am an artist, but I have that business side. But for most stylists, if you're listening and you want to get into this industry, they would go the route of signing with an agency. And so the agent would be getting you work. The agent would book for you. They have your calendar. They basically run the show. You go and do what you do best. Cool. The art form. They do take a percentage of how, that. How much do they um, take? Typically, it's like it, it varies, but like it could be anywhere from 15 on the low end to okay. 30%. Oh, that's steep. Yeah. Okay. And so, and like, you're not in the driver's seat of your career. They tell you where to the go. The agent yeah. is booking you and putting you with different talent. Got and it. I've seen things where they get a little mucky, a little like dirty waters. Like if you're working with someone, but there's a new stylist that's with the agency, they might want to get that stylist more seasoned. So you're now unavailable because that person's coming in to do the job. I've had, I've heard so many different stories of people who have been like really affected. My colleagues, mm -hmm. uh, fashion stylists, makeup, hair people, they're all usually with an agency. If you go the sole proprietor route, and I was like, I, I took meetings with agencies, but I don't, I'm booking a lot of work. And I also am seasoned in the business of like my relationships. Your, your contact list is deep. Yeah. And yeah. so because I, I had a network of people and, I, and I'm from here. So I thought, well, I'm not looking to get seen by agents, publicists, because I already know them yeah. personally. And so I just need someone to help me on the financial side and my cash flow management because I'm really struggling with that. Following up with invoices because I have so many other things. So the follow up, that sort of thing. And so business manager, she has me. There was a personal chef, a private chef that does like celebrity cooking for people. She managed that person as well. And it basically is just back of the house. Everything that doesn't have to do with 
the actual art form of styling. Okay. And then she would get compensated based on like each thing that she helped you with. Should she get like a percentage of that exact thing, but it would be less than what the agency would get if you were in the agency. She's doing a 10%. Okay. okay. And if she brings me the deal and it's a big corporate one, we do 15, sometimes 20, depending on how big the deal is. That's really cool. All right, we only have so much time here, and I want to transition. I never want to leave. Over, never. Uh, over 100 episodes, <laughs> on your way to 200, crushing it with The Low Show. Oh, Wink, yeah. wink, The oh, Low Oh, with life. my podcast. Yeah. We're both at over 100 episodes yeah, now. Yeah, which has been we awesome. We started about the same time. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about just like now that you've been in it so long and, you know, just the, the, the behind the scenes, the time commitment, monetization, the outlook, why you do it, what drives you, just your overall take of the podcast space since you're in it now and you're in deep. Yeah, it was hell at first, Jason. <laughs> well, I started, I mean, my ass went back in the closet. I never thought I'd be going back there, my gay ass, <laughs> in, a, in a closet with a microphone in darkness, being like, welcome to the low life, because it was in the pandemic when I started. And so to get to the place now where I'm having conversations and, you know, hundreds of thousands of listeners and downloads, it's, it's awesome now. But I didn't. I didn't expect it to be a full-blown business like it is now. And I actually am thankful for that. And I mean, you get it. This is a whole other business. So I'm, I'm like, okay, this is, I have two businesses now and I want to devote as much time and energy and focus, but I didn't expect it to be as time consuming. If you listen to Low show, almost like within 10 minutes, at some point, you're going to hear an animation, a sound, a something funny, funny. So it takes, you have to literally listen to every single second of that show and then take the creative energy to like input that. Yeah. And so like you do all that, don't you? Yeah, but now, thankfully, and I'm learning to like let go and not take everything on <laughs> because it. I'm going to burn out. And that's yeah. what was happening. I was going to have a mental breakdown. Okay. Because okay. with the styling and award season, and then I'm having to transcribe, you know, and edit a podcast. So now I have an editor, two editors. They give me a rough draft. I listen to it, add my little two cents if needed. But now, and I had to go through a few different people to figure out my voice, that they understood my humor. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm a millennial and I like to reference a lot of shit from that time. And like, some people just weren't getting it. Yeah. So it took me a little trial and error to find my people. But now I do have people that help right. me. But it took a while to get there. Okay. Awesome. I am still hands on though, but how, not as hands on at, at, at the hardest point, how many hours per episode do you think you probably put into it? For a one hour episode, we have one come out every Thursday. <laughs> I'm looking at six to eight hours a week. Okay. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Including the interview. Okay. There we go. All right. Lo, before we get your training secret, this is what I want. It could be from a consumer going to the store and buying. It could be getting dressed. It could be anything in the fashion industry. What is one thing we don't know that you could tell us? One thing. Oh, wow. A trading secret about the industry. Mm, I'm like that. It's all bullshit, Jason. <laughs> it's all bullshit. They're all, no, lies. they're all lies. It's all marketing. I'm not a stylist. I'm not even I'm a, a fake. <laughs> I'm not even a stylist. Um, no, I'd say, you know, when it comes to fashion, I think a lot of people are tired of fast fashion and they know that like it's not necessarily the most ethical and what's happening in other parts of the world and yeah. these factories, it gets a bit dicey and it's sad actually. What, that, what's the definition of fast fashion? Fast fashion, you're talking about like the age H&M's, like the turnover rate okay. of when they're able to get clothes in store. I mean, you can go to H&M one week and then the next week, it's all new styles, a whole new collection. It's just quick. And the price point is so cheap. The quality is not necessarily the best. Sometimes it is. But again, unethical working practices and unfair labor conditions. Mm -hmm. And so some people are turning away from some of those fast fashion pieces. But I love that there's a whole new movement of people upcycling their clothes and going vintage shopping and thrift shopping and it's 
I mean, the young generation too, like these little 20 year old TikTokers are going to thrift shops and able to work things from a Goodwill or a thrift store. I think it's really cool. So cool. So I love to see that. And then in regards to keeping yourself fresh, buy the staples, invest in a good coat, a solid pair of jeans, a blazer that fits you, have it altered so that it fits you properly. Yeah. Have those staples. That's a trading secret. Have the, the closet built for you, the foundation, and then any trend pieces. If you want to try neon, if you want to try a fun color or a pattern or something different, you can trickle those in as accent pieces, but your focal point, your foundation has been built. And so you're able to look super stylish and like, you always have new outfits, but you have the same coat. I've just, I'm wearing it six different ways. And so if you're able to do that, you can still look very fashionable on a budget. That's what I'm getting at. It's okay, like some people that. don't want to spend a ton of money, myself yeah. included. Of course. Yeah. yeah. And so to save money, just buy the staples and then the accent pieces, then you could buy like the fast fashion belt or something that's okay. crazy yeah. to like edge it up or whatever you want to do. Okay. One last question before I get your trading secret for the entirety of the show. I see you're like, there's so many parts of your outfit right now that are really cool. You got your shoes, your socks are awesome. Oh. The pants, you have rings on, you have bracelets on, you have a, a really cool coat. You have an awesome shirt on you have a great hat on right like head to toe you have so many different things that are moving what would you say if one person said like listen i don't have the time i don't even have the effort to like put what you are wearing just for this podcast together what is the one most important thing of my entire outfit from my toe to my head that i should make the best if i could really only focus on one piece what would it be wow just one like is it the coat is it the shirt is Mm. it the shoes is it the pants like what do you think it draws the most attention i mean oh god what I would say is like, for me, it's like, I love a good jacket. I love a good coat. Any sort of outerwear piece, I'll get a lot of use out of it. I feel like it's, it always looks cool. It's, I just love outerwear pieces personally. Okay. But for someone who's like not that into it or like maybe self-conscious cause like they're not built on top or I don't know, everyone has, you know, or good, some people it's like a good pair of jeans. Like I have the best pair of jeans. I think when you start looking at fashion and thinking like, what's the one piece? Yeah. The best thing that shines through, not to cheese it up, but like it really is confidence. Because okay. if you feel confident and it means like that pair of jeans that maybe isn't even expensive, but they just fit your ass and look so good and you feel good, like that energy will come off in a room. People can sense like you feel good in that outfit. Like it's a whole thing. Yeah. So my takeaway even from that though is like, even if those jeans to someone else or stylist don't fit their ass perfectly, like you said, but the person that's wearing them feels like those fit my ass perfectly. I'm rocking These make it. me feel You're good. saying the confidence and the energy makes the whole outfit look better. Just the mental aspect. I've seen some whack outfits out there and I'm like, what the fuck was that? That's cool. But they're confident and rocking. I'm like, I get it though. Like, damn. Yeah. I almost look at it like, damn, like I wish I could pull that off. And instead of looking like, ew, I don't think of it like that. It's like, there's something empowering about it. And Super so cool. if you're wearing something, yeah, and you feel powerful and good and and confident, it, I mean, it shines through with everybody you meet. So it's almost like trust that instinct when you are getting ready for like a date or something. You know, and, yes. and you're looking, if you don't feel like something's off, don't listen to anybody else. If you're asking, should I, should not, don't do it. Wear yeah. what you know you should. I like that. Okay. Low show part two. This has been absolutely amazing. You're a very special human. We got to wrap up your trading secret. What can you end with? It could be anything. I think this is cool because you're so uh, witty and so funny and have so many things going on. So it doesn't have to be styling. It doesn't have to be money management, but just like a, you know, a very special low life guidance, thought, trading secret you can leave us with. You know, we're here for anything low. (laughs) 
God, there's so many little trading secrets that I have. I realized that in this business and in any business you have there, specifically fashion, I've realized that people are like, oh my God, there's this new artist low. And I really want you to style them. They're incredible, talented, an incredible voice, or they're an amazing actor. They have all these great projects. I, I want you to believe in this artist because they're awesome. Like, just wait till you meet them. I get sold like the next Ariana Grande every week, I feel like. Huh. I mean, it's just every agent publicist has like this new talent that they just signed and they want me to style them and invest in the dream. And I hear it all the time. And when and you say that, are you saying for free? They're asking for a nice substantial discount or for free. And it happens a lot. And I know I'm not the only industry. Hair people, any service industry, like there's some sort of like a moment where they're going to be asking you for free shit all the time. And mine, it happens to be with talent that's like the next best thing. And so I use this as a learning lesson for me. And that's, I guess, now become like a trading secret, if you will. But like. I realized that like, sure, that person could be the next Ariana Grande and I, they do have a great voice, whatever. But if you love that person or believe in them so much, like you should be able to pay for their dream. I don't need to invest in your dream. Mm -hmm. I'll invest in you with my art, my, like what I do, my service, but I don't need to buy into your dream. Find the money. When I wanted to do a podcast and I was like, oh my God, Jason, I know I'm going to be a good podcast host. Like, can you just send me some mics and the equipment? Like, no, like I had to find the money and get everything on my own to start a podcast. So I did it. Like, I didn't hope that like someone just believed I'd be a good host one day. Fuck that. Like I need someone to like, just, I believe in myself and then I'll help the person out, but I'm not making any investments in financially into their dream. And so that's been like a big learning lesson for me. Cause I was taking gigs on early and cutting my rate and just trying to make people happy and believe in the dream dreams fade. And, and sometimes like, I realized that I felt taken advantage of. And I was like, why am I feeling like not good about myself and my business? I'm being taken advantage of. I was putting myself in a position where I didn't have my value mm -hmm. and I'm investing in everybody else's dream, but like, I got to invest in myself too. Yeah. So that's been a big one for me Yeah, is I guess, I don't know. Is that a good trading secret? No, I think it's good. I think like you hear about like snake oil salesmen, right? Like all that type of stuff. And yeah. I think especially within your business, but a lot of 1099 businesses, a lot of people, those snake oil salesmen might just be dream salesman. They're, yeah. they're trying to sell something that's going to be bigger than it is so that their client can get the discount. So they look good doing it. And as a result of that, the only one actually getting impacted by that is you. Yeah. Everyone's winning except you. And honestly, like for the first time in my life, I'd say in the last, I don't know, eight years, I started actually conducting business and I took myself serious, but I wasn't for a long time. And I realized I had a business manager who was like, you're not conducting business. This is just a hobby. This is a fluff piece. And so if you want me to come on board, I need to see like actual business. You take yourself serious. And I was like, geez, like aggressive, but also <laughs> what a great point. I'm not following through with routine and having procedures in place and having policies, even if it's just you. Like I had to take myself seriously as a business and respect myself and the company. And then in tune, I, it was crazy, but I saw everything change. I love that. The business started coming into me and I started getting clients. And then, you know, 12 years later, I'm sitting here on trading secrets. And here we go. Yeah. That's the one. That's the only, that is the low show. Low, where could people find you, find your podcast and everything else you have going on? Yeah. On uh, Instagram, it's at style LVR, S-T-Y-L-E-L-V-R. Lo von Rumpf is my name. Lorenzo is my full name. Von Rumpf is German. 20%, 80% Mexicano. And uh, my podcast is the Low Life Podcast. And that's found everywhere and anywhere you stream your podcast. And we cover it all. Sex, drugs, politics, 
semen anal. <laughs> <laughs> you want a show that's and got fashion. it all? That is the low life. You guys will have to check that it's out. It's fun. Low, thank you for being on over thank a you, year Jay. later. We're doing our part two right I love here, being here, right now. Thank you for being on Train Secrets. Love you, Jay. Love you, Low. Ding, ding, ding. We are closing in the bell to the one, the only, the Low Von Rumpf episode coming in hot after the KB episodes, which were awesome. Part one and part two. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't, please just hit that subscribe button. You just go to go to show, hit subscribe. Uh, if you could also give us five stars and any feedback, we'd appreciate it. We watch every single review and we listen for that feedback. And those two episodes went off the charts. Number one in Canada, top 10 business episodes in all of United States. We're rolling and we couldn't be rolling without you. So before we get in the closing bell, a huge, huge thank you. Now we are getting into the Low Von Rumpf episode. You guys heard about J-Lo, whether you knew about us or not. Now you know. Lowe's my boy. And we are talking all things about the fashion industry. And the interesting thing is just what I think the advice that he gave, the dollars and cents behind styling. This was a really, really cool part two with Lowe. One of the big facts I got to throw out there here is I looked up the global apparel business in general. I was just one wondering if this is an industry that is moving upward or downward. Like we talk about all the different industries like social media and the trajectory. It's actually moving up significantly. In 2022, uh, the industry was at $1.53 trillion. Global apparel, $1.53 trillion. In 2023, it's projected to be $1.7 trillion with a T. These are big numbers. These are, what, these are the things we wear, what we look like, how we look like. David, I know you're passionate about fashion. Thank you for always joining me in the recap. What is the curious Canadian thinking? I'm thinking that how has Bravo not signed a guy with the name Low Von Rumpf to a show or have an idea built around him? He's electric. Uh, it was great having him on. You know, Fashion Jay is something that may used to make you squirm. For all the listeners at home from the ages of 21 to, let's say, tw- <laughs> I don't know, what do you want to say, 26, 27, maybe 28, Jay did not own anything in his wardrobe, except for a banker suit that probably could have been tailored a little more. Uh, 100% more. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, it all, in the last five years, I got to give the definition of a complete 180 to your wardrobe. Uh, I think low has something to do with it. I like to say I have a little sprinkle of something to do with it here. I think, I think you're, you have really helped me out in the athleisure game, yes. like next level. And Lo has really helped me out. And honestly, I love Caitlin and I have such an open form of communication that she could literally be like, what the fuck are you wearing? Like, what you and I'll be like, I don't know. Help me out. She'll help me. And that's helped me over the years. Uh, we guys now, we are on YouTube, right? So we have a Trading Secrets podcast on YouTube. And this will be the first recap that we ever put on Let's YouTube. Go. So make sure you go to YouTube and go follow and subscribe to our page. We're putting all the shows up, all the episodes. And if you follow this page, you're going to get to see this picture that I'm showing. It's so funny you said it, David, because my global entry card just came in. And when I did the whole interview, the lady was like laughing at me. She's like, "Eh, you look a lot different. This is the picture because I always wore, I was wearing oversized suits. They weren't tailored and I wore them 24 seven. When I woke up, when I went to happy hour, when I went to the club and I remember after the bachelor, I would do the same thing. I'd be going to like clubs and stuff with, with uh, Blake and I'd be in like a banker suit. He's like, bro, what? Why why are you dressed this like that? Crazy. But hang on, check this picture out. This right there for all my YouTube people. That's about eight years ago. Jason, you know, couple uh couple buffalo wings Whoa. rolling right there. The suit that you know that doesn't fit clearly. I mean, that's a mess. You're sweating blue cheese in that photo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> no, I love it. I love it. So I don't think, you know, some quick fashion tips here. I don't think that you're going to be walk, walk, rocking skirts or mesh or anything of that nature that Lo talked about. Maybe. You never know. I would but only, like, th- if Lowe dressed me in a skirt, yes. like the way he said that Brad, Brad Pitt, but I wouldn't trust myself to take, like, extremes like Correct. that without his help. Correct. What, what do you think is the biggest step that you've made in your fashion game uh, since this the box suit, banker suit days in the last oh, five man. years? man. I think kind of, I think what Lowe said, like, dressing how you want to dress as opposed to mm-hmm. dressing how you think you should dress, that's one. And I've taken a couple swings, David, like... I, you know me, I'm pretty just frugal in general. It's tough for me to come around like paying mm-hmm. a lot for like clothes. I'm like, God, the markup's so high. But the two areas that I've started to splurge a little bit on are shoes and jackets. So, yeah. I, you know, I think Lowe had a different answer, but those are the two places I feel like I get my money's worth. Mm-hmm. And for the Super Bowl, this was very off cuff. I was at a Nordstrom and I saw this jacket and yes, it was on sale, but it was on sale from a very high dollar amount. It was this off-white jacket. It was this black kind of jean jacket. It had like spray paint vibes, like these white dots thrown on and all these different designs. I was just attracted to it. I'm like, I would never get this. I pulled the trigger on it. And it was like, it was on sale from like 1300 for like 500 bucks. I couldn't believe I actually bought that and spent that money, but I love it and I've worn it like four times. <laughs> it's sick. You wore it during the Chloe uh, Milas interview. Yes. When yes. we did it together in New York yes. City. Uh, but that's funny because that's, uh, that's a long way from when you wore the jacket to the Dancing with the Stars live show and on Rodeo Drive and oh, you kept the tag on. <laughs> like an idiot. Yeah, that's a whole different story. I but mean, we, we talked about that before. Yeah, I'm with you though. I think jackets and shoes are are p- probably my foundation. Like you said, have one foundation item. I think ja- uh, shoes definitely for spring and summer and then jackets for fall and winter. Um, you can just build so many things around that. So I bet you didn't tune in and think you were going to get fashion tips from uh, Jason and David today, but uh, but here we are. There's a couple there. There's a and I like the sneaker game too. That's a good one. You yeah, know? and and no, a good, uh, especially you know, we're talking more like male attire, but like a really mm-hmm. good T-shirt goes a really yes. long way. Yes. Also, I'm favorites? the king. David Actually, no makes free, no free ads. Hey no God, the, one, the one thing David crushes me on is I am a huge repeat offender of my, like if I like a shirt, <laughs> yes. you'll see me in it a hundred times. I don't give a shit if I have like three posts of the same shirt. I, you know, people are like, oh, I can't post the same outfit. Not me. I'll fucking rip it 10 times. There, there's a shirt that I owned <clears throat> and I loved. And then Jay didn't know that I owned it, bought this, end up getting the same shirt and then was your favorite shirt for at least a six month period was all over your social and I can't wear it anymore. Wait, is it's, that the the black one? The black, the black. Dude, I didn't like, know you. Cloudy. That's the first time I knew you owned that. Yes, I'll see. Dude, picture. fashion is a headache. I I knew you always chirp me for that shirt, and every time I go to put that shirt, I'm like, "This is the David chirp." This I wrote, I'm gonna get a text, and I had no idea you owned it too. Yeah. Oh yeah. So Jack, I think it's like Jack and Jones or something. There Anyways. was one. Yeah, we're, we're going on tangent yeah. here, but there was an influencer package I got, or there's something I had, and you were at my house, and you're like, "Dude, I, I'm not even asking. I'm stealing this." What was that item? Well, I did end up taking a a hoodie from you, a black zip up hoodie. It was like, a, what brand was, that, was it? I want to say the brand was. It's like a not a Lulu, but it's oh uh, story. It might have been story. No, it's like Legends. Is there a hundred Legends or something? okay? All right, well, scraps. I, mean, I don't know, yeah. but. It was a zip up. Zip up black hoodie. I rock it all the time with like my favorite Zara jacket. It's like yeah. that athleisure, dress it up a little bit, white sneaks on, black pair of jeans, mm, chef's kiss. Shows the buys off a little bit. A little bit, you know. Okay, <laughs> enough yeah. of us. Let's yeah, get enough. back to the show. <laughs> all right. One thing that I got to point out that I've found really interesting, obviously the fees, um, 1500 
$10,000 stylings for red carpet. Sounds like when you're working for a network, the the floor of those fees go up to about the 5K mark. But I, I, I felt, I felt um, really intrigued by the plays and the negotiations of, of working with different clients and, uh, you know, hey, I'll pay out of pocket for this. It may be a little discounted, but there's a big network deal come up. That'll be a little longevity in that network that I'm working with will pay. It's funny to hear them see that like Netflix pays shit and Apple's like and Amazon are really good. So um, were you impressed at, at Lowe's negotiation kind of business prowess and some of the things that he was able to apply to his business and his trade? He's super savvy. Just like I've yeah. obviously had so many conversations, but he's super savvy. And honestly, the one takeaway from that is every single business, every conversation is negotiable. And I don't, if you're not finding angles to make things work for people to find win-win-wins, you're you're being left behind because someone is. And that's a perfect example of someone who is. Yeah, 100%. I, I do have a bone to pick with you. You you referenced the Frozen um, with Beyonce. I was there with you. You forgot to mention my name, I guess. Oh my yeah. God. Maybe I was in Colton's uh, shout out. Wait, wait, you like were with four. us? Oh yeah, Patty Murin, Beyonce. We saw her come in late. We stood and on the stage after. And my brother was there, right? Brother was there. Yeah, was we went. B- Billy uh, was the, there, right? Billy was there. We went. And you we got th- pictures on stage. I'll bring it up on my Instagram. How dare me? While you're oh. while the conversation's going, David, yeah. bring that photo up to prove me wrong. Mm-hmm. Me, you, Colton Underwood, Patty Murin, my brother, his husband. Uh, put that on, and then the YouTubers can see. Uh, or the YouTubers. Oh wow! Talk about some wow, statement dude, pieces. I got the scoop. Good, I got bro. the scoop neck. With the I, I'll, blazer. I'll never forget if you guys photo. are seeing this photo on YouTube. There's a picture of Colton Underwood. My brother's husband is is a very very athletic, very you know kills it in life, but a very petite guy. And there's this photo of Billy walking next to Colton, and you would think like it was it was like <laughs> David and Goliath walking down the street. It was crazy. That was good times. Yeah, that that sorry was sorry awesome. for forgetting you there, David. How no, dare me? That's pretty it's okay. Bad. That that's what the recaps are for. So um, just had to bring it up. But All yeah. Right. I loved uh, I loved some of his takeaways, and I loved you know how he talked about his need for the business manager and the assistant, and and his trading secret was was also really great. You know, don't ask for discount for other people to invest into their dreams, and you know just the whole starting his own business had to take himself seriously as a business, so he could get the rates and he could kind of stand up for himself and kind of build that reputation instead of getting walked all over. So all in all. You know, Lowe is a character. He's got a lot of sides to him. He really, I felt he really kind of dialed into the trading secrets mantra for this, for this episode. He came down, he sat in and he went into, like, so, you know, he likes to go off cuff. He's got the hilarious humor. I agree with you. The fact is this this guy is not on a show or stage doing comedy of some sort is nuts. His wit is next level. He's got every angle work and, uh, and I'm, I'm shocked. He will eventually that will happen in my opinion, but it was a great episode. And then the other, only other thing I want to make sure we quickly touch on. Before we go into our breakdown of our favorite trading secret, our most impactful moment of what we've heard from a listener that we apply and our favorite moment, we're going to do that right at the end, um, just because we just hit 100 episodes. Before we do that, I want to quickly touch on this influencer and acting piece. Yes, It's really interesting to see just the way things are changing and that the impact these influencers are having on buying and purchasing versus these like, you know, big actors, A-list actors. Yeah, it's crazy. I think I notice it all the time. You know, I'm on social media a lot. Um, Let's call it for research purposes. (laughs) Um, But sometimes these influencers are making like serious statements or talking about serious things. And I go to the comments to see how people are reacting. Instead of seeing how people are reacting, like, where'd you get the jeans? Jeans, need it, jacket, shoes, wear, wear, link, link, question mark. It's like, whoa, people. Can we focus on like some substance of what they're talking about here? But people... 
with influencers so attracted to what they're wearing and how to get it. And, uh, you know, even just regular folks who are trying to be micro influencers, having their start, their storefront, their shop, like, and then all the way up to Alex Earls who sell out everything that they put on the internet. So, and the thing too, David, is that every area and level is doing it right. So mm-hmm. people that don't have, uh, following or they're not influencers are doing it. Um, someone like Caitlin and I, like, you know, that whatever level you want to say that is, we are constantly about like, hey, where'd you get that? Oh, I saw this person had it, bought it, you know? And then all the way up down, like every person in the influencing food chain is yep. doing it from one another. And even people that don't have a following, I know, because I've heard it, they get messages from people of all different, you know, levels in the influencing game asking like where they got that. So, it's a, it's a game has changed, and it's interesting to hear it from a professional in that business. David, 100 episodes in. Uh, what an accomplishment. It's been an honor to do this with you. We've had to make some adjustments, and boy, buckle up, everyone. Subscribe, five stars. We have some major, major adjustments and news coming. So mm-hmm. excited for. But in the meantime, 100 episodes, I got to hear your breakdown. Let's yeah. first start with your favorite trading secret. What has it been over the 101, 102 now episodes? Yeah, I don't know if you'll find this surprising or not because it's kind of like a blunt statement, but Steve Wilkos. Okay. Steve Wilkos, the old security guard for Jerry Springer who has his own show, his trading secret was luck doesn't find you on the couch. Oh, I love that. I actually was in uh, uh, LA for WrestleMania and Mm -hmm. there was a guy who stopped me and he said, I listened to every one of your show. My favorite was Steve Wilkos. I was like, oh my God, I forgot about that one. So there you go. That's a good trading secret. Yeah, what about you? I'm going to say my favorite, and I always throw like, I'm always like on the Rob Deerdick train. I'm going to change it up. Mm-hmm. Payne Lindsay, love his yes. story, invested everything in trying to create a podcast or, or trying to like live out his dream. Didn't have enough money to buy a Subway sub. And he ended up creating uh, Up and Vanished. And they have a TV show, Massive Network. And he went from not a penny to many, many millions. And I loved his, his, his comment, which was make the opportunity for yourself. And there's so much to that because no one is going to go create it for you. No one's going to hand it for you. And if you're wait, waiting for that, you're going to be waiting the rest of your life. Okay, 100%. David, how about this? Favorite moment on Trading Secrets? Just is, is it behind the scenes yes. on the show? Yep. What do you got? By far, this will stick with me forever. My favorite moment was the second episode we ever recorded in our career was Wait a Kevin second. O'Leary. Mine, mine has to do with this too, but keep going. Mine was Kevin O'Leary episode. We did it all virtual on Zoom. Didn't really know what we were doing. And I'll just, I'll never forget how nervous. And we were kind of side-eyeing each other through Zoom as he was setting up with his sh- uh, Shark Tank background, fully suited up, <laughs> product placements, multiple cameras. We were like looking at each other being like, are we ready for this? That yeah. was definitely my favorite pinch me moment. And we crushed that episode, by the way. Crushed it. We had no idea what we were doing. No idea. <laughs> I think he liked it. Well, he did I, like it. You he still did do like business it. with them. Yeah. Yeah. A, yeah. That's a funny thing. From that episode, we do business with Kevin O'Leary. So that's amazing. Uh, we haven't in a while, but we've done it in the past. My favorite was actually right after the second episode released. And you and I and Evan are sitting there like, this was kind of like a pipe dream idea. You know, there's so many podcasts, it'll probably flop and it just took off. And we're getting all this feedback and all these people are reaching out to us and outlets covered the episodes. We're just like, what the fuck? Like, we thought for sure this was bombing. That was just a cool episode with friends saying like, wow, think about like just where we were five, 10 years ago. And now we're creating this product that's making impact and headlines. Like what's going on? All right, let's, let's end with this. What is one thing from the show that uh, you've implemented in your life, advice that you've yes. received. This is great. 
my favorite episode that I take in my personal life that I use is the points guy. Okay. The points guy episode I thought was like so many tangible takeaways in terms of credit cards and benefits and looking through where your benefits are. And I actually can't believe how much money I save and I apply in my normal life for my credit card, even though my annual fee is high. I think I triple it in terms of rewards and money and things that I get back from that. I do think about that often, how those points mm-hmm. are currency. And on the pointsguy.com, you can go and convert to see what your points are worth because they have the right conversions. That's a cool one. Yeah, I'm going to combine two. I usually do the Rob Deerdeck episode. I'm gonna, all I'll am say is go listen to the episode from 2021. Yeah. It'll change your life. But I'm going to go with a combination of Mauricio and mm-hmm. I'm going to go with, ready for this? Paul Bissonette, Mauricio yes. and Paul the Biz. Because Mauricio, they were, if you're trying to get an interview, get someone's attention, break down the doors, start crushing in your industry, his business development expertise and insight that he provided on that show are things I will do the rest of my life. And that are things that people that work for me, I have them doing in the agency and stuff. And Amazing. then it connects to Paul's trading secret, which was keep trying to open those closed doors. And mm-hmm. that's been Paul's life, right? A fourth line scrapper in hockey, but one of the biggest media personalities in hockey now sitting on I think it's TBS with Wayne Gretzky and all the big yep. ones taking over the sport just keep knocking on those doors that are closed that is good stuff David anything before we wrap yeah I'm going to make a personal declaration here if you go to the comments and you've been listening this long and you want to put in what your favorite episode that you've taken away is what your favorite moment is and your favorite trading secret If you put all three of those things in a review, I or Jason will personally shout you out on the podcast uh, for doing those three things. So your favorite moment, your favorite episode that you take in your daily life and your favorite trading secret. If you put that, we will shout you out. Thank you for listening. 103rd episode. Great to be here. Great to be here. 4,100 ratings right now. We are 4.9 out of 5. Please continue to give us 5 stars. We will read some of these out. We got thank you, Katie from Carol. Can we get Alex Earl on the pod? We're working on it. We're in touch with our agent. McCraney said Dave Neal would be a great interview. We'll work on Dave Neal. I love that guy. Acorth23. Love, love, love KB. One more. Carly123 ABC. Kind of chirping me here. Too too funny hearing uh, Jason chirp on KB about squirming in the money segment because we all no, he has squirmed more uh, sh- that he, no one has squirmed more than Jason himself in the final episode of 2022 when he was in the hot seat. I would challenge you, Carly, one, two, three, ABC to say in 2021, I was squirming 5X what Caitlin was squirming. I think in 2022, I was a little more composed, you know, maybe. Oh, oh yeah. No, I yeah. think so. hundred percent. But the point take it. I too am a squirmer and some of these conversations are tough, but they make a huge impact and they help people change their career direction, what they're doing and how they're doing it. And that's what we hope we're doing. We hope this was an episode of Trading Secrets you cannot afford to miss. Remember to subscribe. Go follow us on YouTube. Go jo- go join our Facebook page and uh, keep on the lookout for some merch. Merch is possibly coming. And my whole thing with merch, this is my only strategy. I don't give a shit about making a penny. I want something fucking cool. I don't care if we break even. Thank you for tuning into another episode of Trading Secrets, one you can't afford to miss. Please 
note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.